Welcome to 908 ENT, the podcast. I'm your host, Sal Liberato. We're here to help you take another step towards success. Now let's get ready to learn the basics from the best. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning back into another episode. Our guest today is Swati Gora. Swati, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. You this got it. Wonderful. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Swati is the founder and CEO of Swati Gora Designs, which is an award-winning full-service interior design firm serving New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. She also has been featured in major publications like the New York Post, but you know, this is all public info. Anybody can Google you or the firm. What would you really like our listeners to know about you? Well, I am an interior designer and I really focus on trying to really finding a soul for a home for my clients. Uh, We don't try to do things that have been done before. We don't try to regurgitate the same thing over and over. Every new single project that we have is like a new experience for us to learn new things um, and share them with our clients and create beautiful new homes for them. Yeah, that's awesome. So just to start to show off, I always like to ask everybody, what are the three simplest things that lead to success? So success to me is very relative. Um, You know, for somebody, success could be uh, money. For somebody, success could be a beautiful family. Somebody, success could be buying a home. So it's all very relative. But for me, I think um, to be successful, to consider yourself successful um, in whatever relative terms, first, one should set the parameters of what success means. So um, even in a company, you know, what do you want to be? You want to be a million dollar company? You want to be a $500 million company? You want to be a $100 million company? The way you take your path towards each of these goals is very different. You know, success could also be just being satisfied and just being happy with what you have, you know. So you kind of need to set the parameters for success. So for me, I think uh, being satisfied and creating beautiful work is a mark of success. And doing just enough projects, not going crazy, I, I, is is and just doing beautiful work is a mark of success. Um, and the three paths I would say is first to set the guidelines and parameters on what success is. Mm-hmm. Second is to have a strategic plan and systems and processes in place to lead to that goal that you have set for yourself. It's very important to have a goal set. And then third is to enjoy the journey to the path to whatever the goal is. I feel like oftentimes we just get so bogged down with the end goal that we stop enjoying the journey towards the end goal. And I think if you enjoy the journey, then the outcome in itself will be beautiful. Yeah, those are three great ones. I feel like knowing where you want to go or where you want to be or just having that like plan will definitely help you out instead of just being like, oh, I want to do this without really knowing what you want to do or setting that groundwork, like you said. Exactly. You know, when they say well begun is half done, there's something to 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 be said about that because you only begin when you have a a end goal in mind, right? Mm -hmm. So it's so important to have first your goals set and make them realistic. You know, if, if somebody just makes a random goal, sure you, and you have to take baby steps towards your goals. You can't just set a lofty goal and not have a real path towards Mm -hmm. it. You set smaller goals, 
and then you achieve them and then you set another goal and then you walk towards it. That's the way to achieve like a larger goal instead of having this big, large goal towards the end, not really having a strategic plan, not really knowing what to do. And then just feeling frustrated that you're not getting there. Like there needs to be a strategy and there needs to be a system to get there. Yeah. And then that little small wins and that little stuff is basically what you're talking about, the journey. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Correct. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So can you share a moment or experience that inspired you to get into interior design? So I wish I had like one clear moment um, that struck me. I think it was a series of different things. Believe it or not, my background is in chemistry. And then I got a master's degree in marketing and PR. Oh, wow. And yes. And then I, um, I had my son really early, right after school. And then um, I decided to stay at home for like three or four years. My husband was at Cornell at that time. And I had the opportunity to go and take several different classes uh, in different departments. And I realized I was always creatively inclined, that I was attracted to buildings and architecture and design more than anything else. And uh, then once my son was four, I decided to go back to school and get my master's in architecture and design. And that's kind of set the path to where I am today. Wow, that's awesome. So can you share a valuable lesson that you've learned from, whether it was kind of figuring that out or just running your own business now? So running your business, you know, people think interior design, almost be, it must be all colors and fabrics <laughs> flying around and, mm -hmm. you know, it must be all beautiful Um but running your business is a whole different animal than just mm -hmm. being a creative. You need to, you know, as a business owner, as any business owner, your business, my business, or anybody else's business, you need to wear two hats. You need mm -hmm. to wear the right brain hat, which is basically numbers, making sure you're profitable, making sure you are able to pay your payroll, making sure that, you know, if you're putting all this time, effort, and money into it, it yields. Mm -hmm. what you really want. It, it's able to pay for your lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then the other part is the creative part where you create, where you're an art artist, especially in my field. Mm -hmm. And the key to find a balance between the two is the most important and the hardest thing. And I think it took me a while to get here. Um, and, uh, but I think I have a perfect balance of being a creative, being able to do what I do as a creative and also be a business owner. Yeah, that's awesome. It's like what people talk about, though, like working in your business as opposed to working on your business. Correct. One hundred percent. Yeah. So bringing us to our first this or that question, does hard work beat talent mm -hmm. or does talent beat hard work? I, I don't really believe in hard work. I believe in smart work. You know, I don't think just logging out is the solution to any mm -hmm. problem. I believe in working smarter, understanding the core of the problem and strategically solving it. I don't mm -hmm. believe in sitting on a desk and just like logging hours and, you know, just sending everything. Like I said, you need to have a strategy for anything. And mm -hmm. if you're strategic about things, you don't really need to work hard. You need to work smart. Um, and talent, I don't think there's any substitute to talent. You know, mm -hmm. talent is so important. Um, but again, there are a lot of talented people who are not successful. I think it's the it's the best of both. You know, mm -hmm. you kind of have to have a good balance between the two. And truly, like the concept of hard work is 
I think an old concept. I think it's important to work strategically and smart. Mm -hmm. So I think it's talent and smart work over talent and hard work. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you need to do them both together to be successful. Yeah. No, that's a great answer. I feel like there hasn't been like one, there's not, hasn't been the same answer for that question, even though it's a this or that question. Like everybody has kind of their own view of it or like kind of route that they need to take, but it's neat to hear everybody's different answers on it. Cause it's literally a this or that question, but there hasn't been one same answer with everybody we've had. Yeah, on. correct. And I think it's also like, you know, if you want ask somebody younger, the same question versus mm-hmm. somebody older, it's the values, you know, we were yeah. the generation previous to mine, they thought like for them, hard work beats everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, my generation is more balanced between hard work and smart work and talent. You know, mm-hmm. the, you have to log your hours, but is it only logging hours that makes you successful? If that yep. was the case, Ants would be the most successful team so hard, like <laughs> yeah. animals on earth because they work the hardest. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right approach to it. The world is different. You know, the approach to the things is different. There are, you have to obviously put in the work, but just putting in work doesn't make you successful. Mm-hmm. A lot of people sit on the desk and work like nine to 11. And I, when I started my business, I was doing that and I was feeling a little burned out. I was like, really just like, working all the time, always stuck to the grid, responding to, client, to the clients at 10, 30, 11. Mm-hmm. And then I said, you know what? This is not sustainable. This is not going to work. And I put hard deadlines on what times I would work, how I would work and what the balance. And I've never like, and after that, our business tri- thrives and, you know, we have grown significantly. So I've clearly learned from my mistakes that just logging in hours and being collected all the time is only going to burn you out and really not Mm -hmm. take you anywhere. You need to work strategically. You need to work smart and you need to have a plan for everything. Mm -hmm. 100%. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning about having a plan. So it definitely ties into that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So what is the best way to overcome an obstacle or setback? Uh, I think staying even keel and calm and Mm -hmm. then assessing the instead of being reactive, being more, uh, you know, understanding the situation and being more strategic. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there is a problem, there are some things that you cannot control. And I realized that in my business over and over. We, I mean, in my business, we work with humans. We work with people. I can control situations, but I cannot control minds, you know. So the best thing we can do is make sure all our I's are dotted and T's are crossed. but Besides that, there's human error, there's mm-hmm. human emotions, there's a lot of different things that are, um, you know, that are out of our control. I can control what I can control, and then I make sure that every single aspect of that part that I can control is done. And then besides that, if problems arise or issues arise or things go wrong, take a deep breath, think about what the problem is. And instead of presenting the problem to the client, I always go with a solution. Mm-hmm. So if something's not working, I present the solution, then I tell them, this is the problem. This is the solution we have. Solution A, solution B. Most of the people are not there to focus on problems. Most of the people are understand there'll be problems. They want to see how you problem solve. 
And, and so any setback, any obstacles or any problems that arise, I just like think through what the strategy to overcome it and what the strategy to move forward with it. And instead of just sitting on it and mulling over it, and then if there is a problem, you find a solution and you present it. Yeah, that's great. I feel like presenting solutions, whether that is in your business or to the client, definitely is helpful because just focusing on like, oh, we can't figure out this room or we can't figure out this specific, you know, color going on. Like, it's just not helpful to anybody. Yeah, yeah. Most of our problems are like, you know, the plumber came in and now the pipe cannot be found or the electrician has this issue or mm-hmm. this was too too tight or when they're installing something, something got broken. Now, if I if I say, oh, yeah, oh, my God, it got broken. What the heck? You know, mm-hmm. instead, if I find the guy who could fix it before the client brings to my attention that this was broken and I say, well, this was broken and I have a guy he's coming tomorrow to fix it. Now it's not a problem anymore. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? It's already so taken care of. <laughs> that's the way I approach things. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. So mm-hmm. what do you think is more important, passion or motivation? Uh, are they different? There's no one, there's no one answer to uh, it. So whatever you think. Exactly. Yeah. I, let me, um, I think passion is very important. Uh, and I, I feel like they're both, they both go hand in hand, you know, mm-hmm. passion and motivation. If you're passionate, then you're motivated. Mm-hmm. And if you're motivated, that motivation comes from passion. So I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think they just go hand in hand. I think both of them are equally important. Yeah, definitely. Because the passion will, you know, bring you through on those days where you're like, eh, I don't know if I want to do it. But if you truly love it, then it's like, all right, that's where the passion comes from. And then the motivation comes from because you love it as well. Yeah, correct. So I, I do think that they're not mutually exclusive. I think they're part and parcel of the same thing. Yeah. No, but that's like another question that is a this or that question, but... Every single person has their a different answer, which is definitely neat. Yeah. So how do you continue to stay updated and continue to learn, whether that's in the interior design space or just business in general, any like events, books, trainings, stuff that you're doing? So I never think my education is ever complete. Every single mm-hmm. thing I do, I learn something new. And our world is just like so dynamically changing with information, with you know, now we have artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. So every single day, I'm like, obviously, I, I read books. I'm a reader. Um, and then I do do trainings too. You know, there is a CE, CEU where, you know, they're te- teaching about new products. We have vendors come in and they show us new fabrics. And I read up a lot and I see other people's work, see what's going on in the industry, see what, what the new materials are. I do listen to podcasts podcasts too. Um, I also travel a lot. So I travel all over the world. Um, sometimes I'm going to four or five countries in a one year. Oh, wow. And then I, you know, go to museums and I go to different places and I really learn what are the different things that they are doing that are different from the way we are doing. So mm-hmm. travel, I think, is the biggest teacher for me. Yeah, 100%. That's definitely neat. Anything you would recommend for them if they're listening to this or looking to maybe get into interior design? Like any just tips or stuff you could give them? Yeah, there is a podcast called Business of Design, which is really good. Um, And they talk a lot about... um, And then Business of Home has 
a podcast too, uh, where they talk to various industry leaders. And one of the things I do, like for interior designers, I do um, recommend is like business of home is a great, great thing to read. Just stay updated with what's going on in mm-hmm. the industry. It's a newsletter that comes every single morning. It's almost like a, it's a magazine and they send in a weekly newsletter and they talk to a lot of industry professionals and they talk to a lot of different people on how they're running their businesses, any particular tips, what's going on, how do you do payrolls, how do you do invoicing, and all these different things that go along with the business. And they are amazing to read um, or listen to the podcast of in terms of, you know, getting started and learning from what what the other industry leaders are doing in in, in their business. No, that's awesome. That's definitely beneficial. Um, And then like any like Mm -hmm. tips or like maybe like first action steps you would recommend to somebody that's looking to get into the interior design field? Like, is there like an event they should go to or like, you know, some type of networking thing they should be doing? Sure. So I think first and foremost, um, before somebody decides to start their own business, they need to kind of understand, like, like I said, goal setting and understanding what the end goal is. Mm -hmm. Don't just start the business just because everybody is doing it or somebody you know is doing it. Really understand what you like about interior design. If you just want to be creative and just want to do design work, it's best to, you know, go work for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because when you become a business owner, you are a business owner. There is, like I said, 80% of it is business. Mm -hmm. Only 10 to 20% of it is design and creative work. Everything else is where is what inventory backordered items, ordering things, yeah. fixing things, basically problem solving is 80 to 90% of the job and creative part is 10%. If you want in your life that you want to do 80% of creative work in interior design industry, probably opening your own business is not the move. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like, that's why what your end goal is so important to get out, whether you really want to go down that path. But if you do, um, just understand, you know, that you would not be creative all the time and you really have to run a business and you owe it to yourself and your business that it's run successfully, that it's profitable and that you're charging appropriately. I often meet young designers or new designers who are starting out who are just like so grossly undercharging their mm-hmm. services because either they don't believe in the value of the service they offer or they think that, you know, just giving away their time and effort uh, is going to, you know, somehow pay back, which never mm-hmm. really happens. You know, your time never comes back. The biggest yep. commodity we have is our time. And making sure that you're billing for that appropriately is very, very important. The second thing I would like to recommend is make sure your first person you hire to help you is a big bookkeeper. You know, it's very important to know your books, to see what your profit margins are, to see what your net income is, to see whether it's worth it to kill yourself over this business Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, financially, because you could be working 24-7 for years on end and then not making enough money to even like enjoy your life. Then Mm -hmm. what's the point of doing it? So it's very important to know your books and hire a bookkeeper should be anybody's first person and make sure you look at your numbers. I talk to a lot of creative people who are interior designers and they'll be like, oh, I don't like Excel sheets. Oh, I don't like numbers. Oh, well <laughs> yeah. then, you know, it's a fact. 
expect, you know, even some big designers, I know they're like, oh, I hate Excel sheets. Oh, I hate numbers. Oh, I don't even look at my books. But then like, how do you know whether it's worth it to continue doing what you're doing? So you mm-hmm. need to fall in love with numbers if you want to start your own business. And if you're not so inclined to do that, then I don't think it's a good idea. So, you know, really before you decide to start your own business, think through what you're doing. And once you do, make sure that you're aware of what's going on in your business and make sure that you know the numbers, make sure you look at your numbers every quarter to see if you, and setting that goal at the, at the beginning of every year, okay, I need to do, this is my revenue, revenue target for this year. And, you know, sometimes you will or will not meet it. Don't beat yourself about it, but mm-hmm. at least you know what you have to do differently for the next year. Yeah. No, I mean, that's super insightful for anybody, not just, you know, interior design. Because it's like, do you want to mm-hmm. work in that specific field, whatever it is, or do you want to be running your business? Because yeah. when you do run the business, like you said, a lot of what you're doing is not the specific work of whatever industry you're in. So. Like you said, no. I feel like that's yeah. really insightful for anybody to hear. Yeah, no, 100%. And again, like I said, you know, you need to sell your, set your goals in the beginning of the year. Okay, I want to do $1 million net revenue, $2 million net revenue. That will help you understand how many clients you need to sign on mm-hmm. and what should be the amount that you want to sign on. That helps you set up your minimum goals with any clients. And then if you hit a certain number of clients, then you can say, okay, we've hit this number of clients. If new clients come in, then you can be a little more picky. Okay, we are only taking clients with X amount of budget. Mm-hmm. So being strategic, does it, like again, like I said, you need to work smart, not work hard. You know, mm-hmm. if you set your goal in the beginning of the year that your goal is $2 million net revenue this year. So then you need like, four clients with $500,000 budget. That's mm-hmm. all you need. You, why would you go around working with 35 clients with $10,000 budget? Makes yep. no sense, you know? So then that way you can scale up and really just focus on doing things properly rather than just taking on everybody who comes in and be selective. This way you can produce good work and then you know which direction you're going in. Yeah. And then it just ties into the whole, like you're in demand, the scarcity and urgency as well. Cause like, you're not working with everybody. We're only taking on X amount of clients with this budget. Like this is who you have to be if you want to work with us. It just, you know, brings you to a next level. I feel like whoever it is. Yeah. 100%. I don't think scarcity or projecting scarcity is ever the move. You know, if you project scarcity, then you're only going to be desperate and clients are not going to value you or your time because Mm -hmm you brought them on with the thought of scarcity. But when you say, you know what, it's not just you assessing whether we are good for you, but also us assessing whether we are going to be a good fit for you. Because, you know, budget-wise, a client could be perfect, but then there could be so many different factors that you would realize that this client is probably not the right move for me because mm-hmm. we won't be able to service them properly. We won't be able to serve their needs. They need X and we serve Y. So this way you can be more strategic on the clients you take on, you know. And then, you know what, it works both ways. Red flags, there are red flags every Mm -hmm. now and then. (laughs) You kind of have to be, you know, you kind of have to be aware of those. And if you work from scarcity and you ignore red flags, it never turns out into a beautiful product. It's always like, I've done that once or twice where I've ignored red flags because the budget was great, the client seemed great. But in the end, I was like, well, I should have listened to the red flags. 
Yeah. You know, so, you know, just being mindful about a lot of different things. And again, having that strategic goal towards the end helps you set up. And, you know, there are sometimes once in a while you will not meet that goal or you have a slow year. Mm-hmm. But then you know that I didn't make that goal and I'm lacking $500,000 or 200000 whatever it is, X mm-hmm. number of dollars. And then you set up a higher goal for next year and you make up for whatever you lost the year previous. This way you at least have a strategic plan. And, you know, last year I was supposed to take on four clients. I only took on three. So now I need to take one extra client next year to make up for that lost client last year. So now you know that I'm going to work with five clients going next year rather than four to stay at that $2 million mark. So that's kind of, you know, having a plan and then following through with the strategy is very important. Yeah, 100%. Thank you for that. So Mm -hmm. as we come to a close here, what's one final piece of advice you would give our listeners to help them take another step towards success? Uh, I think being organized and strategic Mm -hmm. is the most important lesson. And then the second thing that nobody talks about, everybody keeps talking about hard work, success, this grind, all that mindfulness and taking care of oneself is Mm -hmm. very important, you know, because you are your business, especially for small business owners. We are our business. If I don't show up to work for one month, then, you know, the business doesn't exist. It mm-hmm. just doesn't exist. Yep. So you kind of have to focus on self-care and also just being kind to yourself and not, and the, the focus is always like work harder, work harder, kill yourself over it. That shouldn't be the strategy. This is why I keep emphasizing work smarter, mm-hmm. take time to be mindful, you know, take some, you know, set boundaries. I'm going to mm-hmm. work from X hour to Y hour. I, I once had a call with a client who was a big budget client in New York and they wanted to meet over the weekend. And I was like, I'm sorry, we don't work on weekends. And they were like, well, that's the only day we can meet. I was like, well, then that's that, you know, mm-hmm. if you can't yeah, accept the fact that I don't work weekend. Exactly then this is going to be a very hard thing for us for future because I'm not running around on the weekends. I need those two days off Mm -hmm. to really recharge and just be mindful. So I think that's very important, not just working on your business, but also being aware of yourself, you know, of who you are and what you need and listening to yourself. And if you are all calibrated and working out your most optimum, whatever you work on will be successful. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Swati, for coming on. I feel like this was very beneficial, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You got it. And anybody that's listening, feel free to reach out if you would like to connect. And then what's the best way if anybody wants to reach out to you? Well, uh, you can reach out to us on our website. It's swatigorha.com, S-W-A-T-I-G-O-O-R-H-A.com. And we are also on Instagram. It's at swatigoradesigns. Uh, you can call us, you can email us, or you can fill out the information form on our website. Yeah. And then I'll be sure to put everything in the show notes below. Thank you so much. Thank you, Swati.